Well, welcome to today's episode of InfoSec Journeys. I'm really excited today to be joined by Rich Carpenter, uh, and we're going to hear about your insights into working into in cybersecurity in the industry, uh, your passions, how you got started, and your advice for others. So I'm really, really uh, excited to kind of peel back the layer and get to know you some more. Uh, but before we do that, Rich, why don't you give us a, a brief introduction? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Rich Carpenter. Uh, I work in information security in the media and advertising industry, and I've been doing that now for about 13 years. Nice. So what's your normal day to day at the moment? I know we're in COVID situation, so it's probably a little bit different, but uh, I, I love this term, but pre-COVID, what do you normally do? <laughs> Pre-COVID, um, mainly uh, DevSecOps uh, in sort of the more recent years. So that's integrating with oh, our development nice. teams. Yeah, working with development teams, working on how we can work together um, to move security left, to use a buzzword. Um, and that just helps the business to be more agile in developing what they do with their software, um, uh, whilst maintaining a level of acceptable security, um, because a lot of our software is publicly accessible on the internet. Uh, that's that's really interesting i mean um i don't you know i speak to kind of you know how 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 we met is you know through through kind of like a business relationships um richard but um i i actually never i've never heard anyone in an enterprise say the word DevSecOps. <laughs> like um so it's actually really interesting that's the first thing that's come it's come out of your mouth so it's, it's a relatively new concept for us um it's a relatively new concept i think to our industry because yeah. um a lot of traditional IT security has been infrastructure focused. Yeah, definitely. Um, but with development teams working in an agile nature to be able to push more either fixes or features quicker, old school security just can't keep up. So it, would you say that, um, is that your like motivation then? Um, trying to yeah, learn ultimately, things new or yeah learn yes very much so learn things new i'm a massive i really enjoy learning new stuff new methodologies um and being able to use those to help the business get to where it wants to go quicker but in a safe and risk controlled manner i guess because um, developers just want to build stuff quickly and be able yeah. to deliver what they want to deliver to the business at a rate at which the business can then consume it yeah um, but we've got to be careful that we don't compromise the security controls, controls on that journey that's nice i think um um especially i uh, kind of the information security at the moment there's uh there's there's, there's a creation of a almost a hybrid role uh or a kind of a hybrid um thought process someone who sits in both camps and who can understand software from a development perspective but also understand security and the business impact of not focusing security or just creating a minimum viable product to get an application out of the door so mm. that's that's quite nice that that, 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 that quite that's, that's nice what's your um what's your passions kind of like personally and from a from a kind of a business perspective is a you know, is, is there something well, within, inside? What, is this within, 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 or just general <laughs> well, hobbies? Could, anything, really. I mean, you go wherever you want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, general, general hobbies, archery for me. Um, right. uh, it's a very analog sport. So spending all day in front of five monitors, dealing with uh, code, computing, testing, all that kind of stuff. Archery gives me a way to unplug. That's uh, so why I took archery up three years ago. For that very reason, I just need to oh, get away nice. from the digital stuff. It's a very analog sport. 
um, and I, I, I don't like running around a lot, so football and those kinds of things weren't for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's um, I think it's really important to um, think we have a very sedentary role. You know, our mm. jobs involve sitting in the computer and and looking at screens and taking in information. So I I quite you know I have a I have a really some people think it's boring. I quite enjoy it. You know, pre pre COVID, I used to my 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 kind of thing was um, actually I say pre COVID, pre this new house and Collingwood. You know, I've always whinged at Collingwood how how much of a dump this new place is at the moment. I used to just like love spending like two three hours washing my car. <laughs> that that was my thing. But um, archery's cool. I've never got into it. I know um, uh, I'd booked axe throwing. Um, before wow. everything kicked off um so I'm, I'm looking forward to that but archery is one of those things i've never you, you see it in the olympics and you think oh that's cool you know that's a that's mm-hmm. a cool thing or you, you watch it in a film but you never i've never got into it so um uh, how did you stumble across archery then uh i do volunteering and scouting and it just happens to be one of the activities that i saw once mm-hmm. i just thought i'll give that a go Sounded pretty cool. There's a local archery club in the little quiet, sleepy town that I live in. Um, so I didn't have to travel far to do it. Okay. So And it's a real great community as well. There's loads of people there. So our club's got nearly 200 members. So Nice. That's, yeah. that's, that's, quite, that's pretty good. That's pretty big. Um, so from a technical perspective, what's your technical passions and what, what do you like to tinker with or, or what's your, like, you know, your, if you had to pick a cybersecurity control, it sounds really boring. <laughs> what's your, what, what do you like then? Uh, I l- automation. I love doing stuff through automation because we're all busy people. We don't have enough hours in the day. Um, so uh, integrating APIs, that kind of stuff. Ooh, um, yeah. If can thing one talk to thing two so that I don't have to click a button 17 times because we're all busy people. Um, businesses generally are under-resourced either with time or people. So anything we can automate, a repeatable process, let's just get rid of the noise. Um, and do you do and that with like s- security tooling as well, like connecting security tools together for detection? Yeah, partially. So if we sort of go down the security orchestration automation tools, the, the, the SOAR type technologies, um, you can hook all of those kinds of things up. Um, or there's random bits of technology that either you've acquired someone's bought plugged in and done something with it's got some weird rest api and you can just write some codes to go and query something or do something which is always more interesting having a physical output from something is quite cool so mm. I'll, i've hit an api and i've pulled a number back okay well, that's good but what can i do with that number can i do something with it can i tell something else to go and do something with that that's pretty cool um, and then if that then becomes repeatable that's that same task that doesn't need me to be involved every time mm. um doing the same thing it's boring we'll get into this kind of industry because it's exciting there's loads of cool toys and gadgets to play with so why spend 90 percent of my week doing the boring stuff when i can automate it yeah very true yeah absolutely so your 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 job title is an info uh, information security manager then yeah so what well, i i guess kind of summarize that in a sentence or two like in terms of the key responsibilities that you're um, that you have in that role um it's changed a lot over the last three years because our team's grown and changed a lot so it used to be um implementing uh business desires from the directors so the directors would say we need to do thing a go and work out how to do it engage with other technology teams um a lot of what i now do is 
business relationships with other business units. Mm. Understand what people are doing, um, what procurement pro processes they're going through, what they're buying, what they're using, understanding how the business then uses it. Um, it's, it's almost like an architecture role almost now. Um, we've got a large selection of technologies that all talk to each other. A lot of things, particularly through sales order processing, mm. those workflows can get very complex. Um, and when uh, merger and acquisition exercises happen, they become more complex as well. So some of it's kind of steered around uh, architectural review, architectural design, um, understanding what? what people do and how they do it. And in forging those relationships, that's a key, really important thing. Security is always seen as that no-sayer. Oh, we can't do that thing because the grumpy guy says we're not allowed to. If you can forge the relationship that people openly talk to stuff, they'll come to you and say, ooh, we're thinking of doing this. Mm. Any recommendations or thoughts? And that's an ideal situation to be in because grey IT is really hard to get a handle on. But if people are voluntarily asking questions about what they want to do and what they want to implement, it's easier for you to manage those relationships throughout that process. Uh, I think that's a really good, uh, a good point to talk more around. I think you've got uh, almost two halves of, uh, of a brain there working on that. You know, you've got automation, technical side, developing tooling and connecting all the fun stuff together. But then actually what you seem to be articulating here is around the, the relationship skills and the key to building those um, the, those key relationships with stakeholders and businesses. That's a that's a key one. So that there's kind of three pieces to uh, an, an infosec role, whether it's technical or non-technical. If you technical or non-technical, you still need some kind of technical knowledge to be able to have confidence to talk either with your senior leadership team or your analysts that are using that, those technologies. Being able to communicate with any part of the business to understand what they need to do and for security to help facilitate them get there and quicker and to realize those goals and potentials or that strategic direction uh, and thirdly being able to talk to your senior management team because if you can't talk to their language you're never going to get stakeholder buy-in for anything and you're never going to get funding for any projects that you want to try and land so there's kind of that, three main things and two that, of those have nothing to do with tech <laughs> <laughs> that is um that is quite interesting it's something um i've talked about with you know people kind of if people ask me, well, how did I get to my position or, <laughs> or how do I get to where I am? And yeah, the majority of my time is actually just talking to people and, and finding out what's the problem or, you know, how can I fix something? Not talking about, well, let's start dissect, dissecting the OSI model and find out what's the problem. No one talks like that. <laughs> people, mm. people talk human to human. So um, how did you, how did you get there then? So, you, you know, you would have started somewhere. You, you wasn't, you wasn't born an infosec <laughs> manager. <laughs> no, no. So how, how did you, what path, what, what led you to this, to this um, point? Um, okay. So over the last 13 years or so, I started off in a traditional sort of tier two IT support role, which is very people centric. It was customer facing as well. So whether that's customers as in internal business colleagues or customers as consumers of your products, um, that was always going to be a, a personal relationship uh, personality. You have to be able to talk. More importantly, you have to be able to listen. Listening is a yeah. massive skill that a lot of technology people haven't quite grasped yet. Um, I then moved into um, infrastructure support roles, so operations, I guess is, is the newest analogy, yeah. okay. um, and picked up endpoint protection. 
so managing antivirus exclusion lists, those kinds of things, deployments, and that's, that was the first part of what I now see as the InfoSec world and what my current role is. Um, I had the opportunity three years ago uh, to scale that up, to manage um, uh, part of a tra digital transformation program in our business. Um, so I was given some uh, opportunities to manage a relationship between our business and a third party supplier that we'd brought in to help um, manage and facilitate that step increase, those small incremental changes over a short period of time. Um, and then given the opportunities to go and do my CISSP funded and sponsored by my employer. Yeah, nice. And that was a massive eye opener because there's a lot of stuff that's in there because it's a leadership yeah. Um, qualification. It's not a operations qualification. That'll be the SSCP. Um, so there's a lot of stuff I learned through um, that boot camp. That was a, a week locked in a classroom and then an exam on the Sunday afternoon. Yeah. I mean, um, it's an interesting story. And I think it's, it's a path that um, I think a lot of people listening to this might be familiar with. I think mm -hmm. um, a, a, a huge a kind of a lot of people that I speak to come from a support background. Um, and I think, and I don't get, and I don't want it to sound terrible to people that are in support now, but support, support backgrounds always grind you down almost because you're speaking to people constantly and getting, and, and it, 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 but it's not a negative because it helps you build resilience and it helps mm -hmm. you build um, the ability to gain information out of people quickly um, uh, so yeah, it's interesting that you've taken that path because I've heard that before um, that people start in support and then end up uh, kind of end up in in leadership roles. Um, so you know, it, it, the the point I'm trying to make is you don't ha you do that is somewhere you can start. You don't have to start. You don't start at the top. You got to start yep. somewhere, and a support role is a perfect place to. to yeah, uh, I heard to from um, I heard from somebody from who, who used to work for our business two years ago and they started on their, the service management desk. They, they off their own back, went and did their SSCP. God, this sounded like an ISC squared advert. It's not intended like that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they did their SSCP. They asked for some mentorship and guardianship on what to do and what next steps are. I said, well, if you want to go down the ops route, you've got something like SEC plus. If you want to go more down a leadership route, you've got COSSP. Mm. Courtesy of LinkedIn this morning, COSSP done. Um, How important do you think the, those accreditations are for people to have in order to break into the industry, or do you think they're more important to solidify your knowledge once you're you're in a in a cybersecurity role? Um, I think they they have value if you know which role you want to do. So if you want to go for a leadership role, they help solidify your knowledge and understanding. So it's um it, it's it's a measure for either the so the recruiters they they latch onto those very very quickly mm. um so if you're going through a recruitment company or a recruiting team to you know, let's go for a, a leadership role they're going to start latching on those gold standard certificates so those cisps those isacas those kinds of things they're going to focus on those if you haven't worked out or don't know what your path is yet that's going to be a personal discovery route and i don't think there's any merit at that stage specifically targeting a certificate or a technology some of them are vendor specific some are vendor agnostic i think having an indication of knowing what makes you happy because ultimately you're going to be doing this thing 
minimum of five days a week, let's be honest. <laughs> Cybersecurity doesn't get to sleep at five o'clock on a Friday. Let's be realistic. Um, what's your passion? What do you enjoy doing? Do you mm. enjoy talking with people? Do you, do, do you enjoy that discovery phase, that uh, program management delivery type thing? Um, so then there's a more mm. technical skills based piece if you're more looking towards a senior leadership or management role, which is normally where kind of like your business degree students kind of come from. Um, I think those certificates would probably help um, if you want to be an architect on a particular cloud platform, look at the, look at the vendor's certification. If nothing mm. else, the certification, the, the, the path to learning the certification is a knowledge path in itself, right? So even if you mm, don't sit yeah. the exam, because the exams aren't cheap, let's be honest with you, if you're funding this all off, off your own back at the moment, those exams aren't cheap. Mm. There are some cost-effective routes to learning. So if nothing else, you can use them as a learning template. I need to go and learn about containers. I need to go and learn about um, virtualized hypervisors or load balancers or something. Those vendor courses, although tech-specific, will still give you a massive amount of knowledge that you can take forward, even if it's... So you've got a bit of technological technological understanding when you're heading for a leadership role. Mm. So have you always been kind of um, tech minded? Has it been something from from young, or um, is this a complete you know one eighty for you? <laughs> My mother reminds me quite frequently. You said as a teenager you'll never work with computers. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah I love playing with computers taking them apart as a teenager working out what all the various bits inside of it were um, process yeah I'm very analytical logical so I did electronics I did le digital e electronics at uni so it's very workflow and logic orientated um, which I think helps with probably explains why I like the automation piece so much because it's very process driven and looped and those kinds of things um, leadership is a very different piece i think so if you want to go yeah. into cyber leadership then that's very much a business understanding rather than a technology centric understanding knowing the tech is helpful yep mm. but you have to know the business stuff you need to do like the fiscal years the budgeting how to communicate with your stakeholders and your peer leaders what language your c-suite talks all of those kinds of things yes they're soft skills you can learn later but if you're coming from a lot of business degree background that's going to hold up a lot of weight if you're looking to go towards cyber leadership. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Because there's almost two pathways that people take, isn't there, when they, <laughs> when they come into the industry. It's like, do I want to be a technical specialist or do I want to be a you know, kind of people management leader, that kind of thing. And I, I, what's nice is I think um, information security, you, you get a hybrid a little bit because you <laughs> can manage some technical people at the same time. But then there seems to be a point where it's like you've got a choice to make here. Do you want to do you want to specialize and be a technical expert, or do you want to actually go and lead a, a function? Um, yeah, that's, so yeah that's, that's where you, that's that's where your, your CTO and your CISO roles diverge from your your technical specialist roles, as you said. Um, mm. And I guess that's down to personal preference at that point. Um, I'm more geared towards my learning and my knowledge and my skill set is more towards the technical stuff. So I couldn't comment on the CTO and CISO type mentality or mindset. Um, but they're, they are very distinct skill sets, but there are overlaps in the middle and they have to be, I guess, because they're the same, they're a similar industry. So what would you call yourself? And this is something of a little bit of a debate that I've heard on other 
kind of uh, podcasts and uh, articles is, is, is generalist versus specialist. What would you call yourself? I would call, I, I 100% am a generalist. I like to know a, enough about a lot of topics so that I can always speak to someone about something, you know, I don't know, I don't know a lot about malware reversal, but I know enough <laughs> to hold a conversation with, with Colin about it. And then, then I fall apart and I, then I look silly at some points, but, but you know, that is, you know, so what, what, what's your, you, you touched on that. You like the, the technology side of things. So you're earing into that specialist um, mm-hmm. sector, but you've done a CISP and I've, you know, I have a CISP also, and it's a thousand pages of generalism. <laughs> so, like, so, so. And 600 questions of generalism as well. <laughs> yeah. wow. I'm glad I haven't done it. Yeah. yeah. I would grab the book if it's just out of reach. It's about that thick. Um, I'd say I'm more erring towards specialist, personally. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'd err towards specialist um, purely because I'm a techie at heart. Yeah. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm focused on any particular technology, um, but those that I know I've picked, I've spent a lot of time digging around in the weeds. So if we take TLS as an example, um, I, I teach a TLS course to our developers so they can understand how the four-way TLS handshake works. For a generalist, wouldn't go into that much detail. Wow. Generalist would just go, there's a certificate and it works. So, okay, well, how and why does it work? Don't worry well, how, about that. Google it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Google it. Some other guy's done a, a screenshot of a wire of uh, a wire shark trace, right? Yeah, that, that's me. I'm at the front explaining that four-way handshake. Um, so, yeah, I'd say I'm definitely in the specialist camp based on that example. Mm, cool. And, and you've been in your current role, I think, um, about three years, just over three years now. Yep. So th- there's obviously something, there's a fire burning there that, that you still go to work for that really kind of drives you. What, what is that then, do you think? I love learning new stuff. I'm like a sponge. Give me, give me something new I need to go and research, go and learn, go and find out about. So at the moment, for me, that's that whole DevSecOps thing that we touched on earlier, mm. um, how the security operations piece can integrate um, more seamlessly with the development operation, um, ultimately to deliver that product better um, or fix an existing product if there's something that's discovered in it. So I think um, being the best that I can so that the business that I work for gets the best out of me. Mm. that's um, awesome so yeah. it's, a, it's, a pers- it's a personal learning piece for me that's what motivates me really when someone goes ooh look this new thing does this great how does that work can I use it can I do something with it crikey that's expensive we're not going to be buying that <laughs> but, but, I le- but I learned something new <laughs> um, so that's quite nice and then being able to have those, those fireside conversations with people about that mm. that technology or that new thing or, the, or I heard a thing on a podcast about well let's pick blockchain randomly um, <laughs> <laughs> um the yeah like malicious the malicious life podcast for example um yeah they do a lot of technical teardowns and the history behind them as well which is quite nice so they're not massively technical but there's a great story to tell behind them and that story is part of the interest as well in those particular scenarios nice yeah so um I think you've touched on a couple of prog- large program changes you, you've performed in your current role. Mm-hmm. Um, so expanding on that a little bit, what, 
what without going into too much detail of course um what's the mm. coo- what's the what's the coolest thing you've done you know what, what is what's the what's the thing that you you say yeah I, that i really enjoyed that project and it it, it brought me great value um and you and you, and you went to tell your significant other about this project that they just didn't care about <laughs> what <laughs> um i helped develop and deliver an iot security training course it's not sort of Ken Munro level, but <laughs> um, there's a nice IoT uh, learning module around what IoT is um, and the potential pitfalls with just plugging a light bulb into your corporate LAN. That's not a great thing to do. Um, so that was quite cool. Okay. Yeah, uh, I had fun doing that. Um, That's interesting. How did you kind of pull it together then? Was that from based on a lot of your own personal research then? Uh, yeah, some of it, yes. It was a collaborative project between some other volunteers. Um, uh, an organisation asked for some volunteers if they'd be interested in uh, putting a piece together. So I was kind of the technical specialist based on the conversation we've just had. Um, and somebody else put together the learning objectives, let's say. So they, they kind of formatted and, and built out what the training course would cover and to what level. And then I just provided some of the technical inputs sort of screen share videos those kinds of things mm. um so that was great so a massive thing cool to me is yeah, yeah it's awesome um <laughs> some bits of iot at home that when i was watching the packets i'm like oh didn't realize <laughs> i did that <laughs> uh so there's some, there's some there's there's some good stuff in there um i think knowledge sharing for me is a massive thing so whether that's education within the community um sharing how to be safe online especially when you're looking at uh, a lot of young children are digital natives so they're picking up intuitive devices so the apple devices you just pick them up and four-year-olds are just using them as mm. if they were born with it in their hands um and educating parents on how to keep those children safe when using that technology that's a massive thing for me there's an education piece built around a lot of it so me learning about stuff and then boiling that down in a relatable and understandable language for a given audience that's I love it. Cool fun. I love doing that kind of stuff. So teaching through libraries, that's a great way to get involved. Libraries are always looking for volunteers to run like our workshops on, I don't know, keep yourself safe, use a password manager, all that kind of stuff that us as an industry know. Mm. And take and, for granted as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it just You just do it. It's like don't use the same password on everything because your password manager just randomizes it for you. Those mm. kinds of key takeaways. Um. NCSC are doing a good job of pulling stuff together. Digital Eagle Sue Barclays are doing a great job of that public persona thing. But it's, the message just isn't out there in the general population. Yeah, there's yet. more we can do, right? Yeah. 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 Without awesome. making it a, that security versus convenience trap <laughs> as well, that's a challenge, right? <laughs> yeah, it always is in an enterprise. But I just I think it's amazing that you have that outlook that, of giving back or trying to, to you know, that, that's the whole purpose of of this a little bit more you know niche into just you know information security professionals or people starting out but actually sharing your knowledge with people that don't have a natural um investment or a natural interest in 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 our industry so i I quite like that um and do you think um is do you relate any of that to challenges that we have information security like do you i've heard you know from a lot of people that there's um almost like we 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 harbor the, te- the the information ourselves so we don't you know we don't want to tell everyone everything because we want to keep relatable we want to keep in employment um mm. so 
what other challenges do you see? Um, uh, it could be, you know, specific to you or specific to your industry and media. I think specific to our industry is, is that, that lack of sharing intelligence. So if we take it in the good versus the bad, the bad are naturally sharing stuff on dark web, hidden web, whatever you want to call it. Um, us as the protectors aren't as good as doing that knowledge sharing. So if you look two years ago, um, a lot of the vendors started sharing some of their threat intelligence, which to them is actually their trade secret. That's what gets them the foot up in the market. They started sharing that intelligence. So being able to share that intelligence within our own community is a big thing. And I think NCSC has done a starting kick at um, the cyber information sharing platform. Um, so they've started doing some of that but there needs to be more of that within our industry and and protecting my own job or our own jobs there's a skill shortage anyway if you look at things like workforce studies mm. there's millions of jobs out there and not enough people to fill them so if we're not naturally sharing either our passion or our knowledge we're never going to fill those gaps and that gap's only going to get bigger over time when you're looking at a lot more companies and moving to their digital markets they need the support teams and the cyber professionals that this is kind of geared towards to help those businesses deliver that strategic objective. So uh, kind of um, uh, touching on um, some of the challenges you talked around there. So within, within media, um, mm -hmm. I, I almost feel like it's a, um, an area of uh, kind of an area of technology, which is almost overlooked. Like we, um, I think I, I remember someone telling me once before is how, you know, I used to take marketing for granted and I thought, oh, marketing's mm. nonsense. But then when you think about it, you know, it's, it's massive. We, we're influenced by the smallest thing. So I, I can imagine the media industry from a, a, um, from a spend perspective and an investment perspective, um, it could be overlooked. I'm, I might be wrong. You know, your spends could be massive because you, <laughs> you need to keep these platforms online. You need to keep TV and newspapers and radio always, you know, always going for the mass mass market. So, um, what, what challenges do you, have you seen in your industry specifically? Um, is that through technology procurement or the lack of understanding from people or, you know, what, what have you seen? Um, lack of, understanding from the vendor side of the conversation um so they've got a thing that that does a function um being able to facilitate that within an existing business infrastructure is challenging especially when some industries have a very small and unique niche um market for technology so a lot of technologies that we use we either write ourselves as the industry or we buy from a quite a small subset of suppliers. It's not like, oh, I need to buy a light bulb, there's 17 people that manufacture light bulbs. I need to buy a widget, there's two options. Great for a seller's market, because there's less choice. Um, but from a security market, um, if you're taking things like network interfaces, it's just a thing that's on the internet. It's not gonna get patched. It's got firmware that's eight, seven years old. It's unique. It does a single function. There's only 12 of them in the world, um, particularly with broadcast media. So you mentioned sort of um, TV, radio. Um, it's very emotive. So you, somebody says the wrong thing on a transmission medium, that immediately makes you a target. 
Okay. So a lot of stuff, a lot of things. He's very, uh, very sometimes very political as well. So it's it's not necessarily tied to geographic boundaries. It's not local um, motivation. Sometimes you can get international motivations. I mean, forbid even sometimes state actors. Um, so you have to be prepared to respond quickly, and you have to have technologies and capabilities that can do that for you whilst you're asleep. That's that's very interesting. I never thought of it from that perspective. You know, I've I've always traditionally, you know, for my career has been very much, he- you know, heavily telecoms on infrastructure. But mm-hmm. I've never thought of it from um, a state actor wanting to bring down a, t- a television network. Or um, mm. so that is that is an interesting thought. I, I, yeah. um, Somebody says something emotive, and all of a sudden you're a target for every botnet that's on the planet because anyone can buy a botnet, right? All of a sudden, you've got a DDoS that you have no way to um, attribute. You don't know who's doing it. You don't know why they're doing it. You can probably hazard a guess because it started within 15 minutes of somebody saying something on one of your broadcast platforms. Um, so, yeah, that's mm-hmm. something that you, you have to do with. I think every every industry's got that. There's a, there's a there's a unique pocket of their own risk that they have to be aware of. So banking very, is clearly very focused on fraud. Um, we're very, very, very much focused on, on DDoS mitigation predominantly. How can we um, kind of promote more talent then into into this industry, do you think? I mean, maybe building on some of the challenges uh, within the industry. We've got a lot of problems to solve, right, uh, <laughs> within cybersecurity that seem to yeah. ever evolve. Well, I guess two parts to my question. Do you think there are challenges to people trying to break into the industry? Is that why we're not getting all of these, like, super amazing talented people come out of university and roll into a cybersecurity job do you think the jobs are there do you think that there's more that we could do within industry to help promote that i think less focus on computer science degree graduates i think would help um it's an analytical process normally within our industry being able to understand what you're seeing and processing it so whether that's data centric or whether that's event centric um, yes, understanding how the nuts and bolts work with a computer science degree can provide some help, um, but I think it's immediately making our talent pool limited. Mm. Yeah, you're um, right. I think it goes back to what you were saying about the the kind of skills. Um, mm. You know that that you can have technical specialist skills, but also like those you know transferable relationships or stakeholder management communication skills are almost mm. as important right so. yeah well if you take something if, if you end up dealing with a major incident of some sort somebody needs to be outside of that response process mm. to feedback to the stakeholders what's going on because they're constantly going to be wanting feedback but you can't pull somebody off of a technical operation to do that communication so having mm. somebody in your team that understands the nuts and bolts of what the team is doing understanding or being able to answer some pseudo technical questions that the stakeholders are going to ask as a response to an update. That's key. I think our industry is very much seen as it's a technical industry. It's not. Mm. There are technical skill sets and technical pockets within our industry, but there's, as you said, there's a multitude of soft skills um, that make cybersecurity and information security an accessible career path. And I think hackers in hoodies is is a, is a stereotypical image that we can, we struggle to shake. It's mm. not all about 
watching lines of code going past as i made a joke about the matrix at the top end of this watching those green numbers go flying past it's not all about that um those relations i did, I did take my hoodie off especially for this so. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't put one on. I didn't put one on for that very reason i thought i'm probably gonna say something about hoodies and yeah. it's that one. our industry is all about guessing cisco cisco that's what it is oh you know, <laughs> uh, admin admin no no vendor specifics yeah. here but um yeah 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 so, so what, I, I, go on, on carly I was gonna. I was gonna say, like, I guess to wrap up the kind of uh, the the question inside of things. Then, two two parts to the advice that you would give to someone either trying to break into the industry based on what you just said, or someone like me, Ashley, yourself, sat in industry already. How would you look to progress? What would you? What advice and tips would you give to someone um, looking to uh, to progress their career? What should you focus on? forging relationships with every corner of the business you can find interesting it's, it's a communicate yeah. it's, it's always about communication from my personal experience it's always around communication you can find somebody or you can pay somebody to do the technical element if you don't understand the business and you don't understand the people it won't work mm. so you have to forge those relationships and learn to listen that's not it's no that's good it's nice you have to <laughs> There's no point in asking a question or starting a conversation and not listening to the answer because you're there to discover something or to learn something. So whether that's learning something about a new division that's being started, a new product that's being launched, a new team that you need to work with, um, or a new business that may be acquired or merged, or um, you have to understand how that piece works. So whether it's a people thing, whether it's a technology thing, it's in somebody else's head. You can't be the fount of all knowledge because at some point that person's going to move on. So you've got to be able to share the information. So mm. communication is a massive skill. And I, th yeah, what I you, think it's one that's seriously underlooked in our industry and underperformed. Yeah. I mean, what do you say to the people that are kind of, that are very introverts that are, and that, that, that struggle with communication? Because there is a lot of people in an industry that struggle with communication. It's not to say that they're bad at their jobs. It's just that they focus on the task at hand and anything outside of their bubble um, they find difficult. Um, so mm -hmm. what do you say to those people that, 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 that can't communicate naturally to people but have the ideas in their heads that you know, they, did, they just can't get the words out? Is there, is there a soft skill course or you know, public speaking? Is there, is there something that can get them to that point? I think it's generally, again, through personal experience, it's a confidence thing. Um, it doesn't always have to be talking to someone. I know that's what we're doing now and we're doing the whole video to the masses type element. It could be writing something down. We'll get, we'll get trapped in this, this. It has to be a verbal conversation. They don't always have to be. Personal relationships always work best in my experience. So meeting up with somebody, doing uh, uh, just sitting down with a coffee just to understand who they are. Those always, kind of things always work. Um, so make it something that can just generally chip away at that that, that barrier so for somebody that's not necessarily confident talking in a large environment or a lot of people find a it's the water cooler conversation fancy going for a coffee do you like donuts do you want to go and grab a donut do you want to go and grab a sandwich Quite makes it sound like our industry is focused around food mm. <laughs> it's focused around lunch and cyber security is full of yeah exactly cyber security is full of events so it's normally yeah. you know 
yeah. infosec zoe's around the the lunch de- up the up upstairs and which vendor's got the best free bar and the best <laughs> free food um yeah well networking opportunities are a great yeah. piece even if you only listen you don't necessarily have to inject yourself in a conversation start to learn and recognize the people that are around you um so that communication piece could just be learning how the business functions what people do and how the org is structured um so if nothing else if someone goes "Ooh, we need to find out about thing b but we don't know who owns it so oh i remember hearing something about bob said something to jamie or jay or whatever just mm. learn about the business so yeah maybe Good if one. someone's struggling or doesn't have that confidence to put themselves out there in those large meetups or those meetings or those socials or those networking events just be the just be on the peripheral of that conversation yeah. and just soak it up and and again through experience that confidence will come with time it really does nurse yourself in that environment don't necessarily be a leader in that environment I really like that. I really, really enjoy that answer. Um, and, and as we kind of like wrap up, is is there any, um, any, any, did you have any mentors as you were going through your career path? Was there any kind of like podcasts or blogs or a, a person that actually helps you forge your interest in, the, in this area? I know I have one and mine's, mine's a strange one. I might say it. So it's not really that strange, but um, but I might I might say it at one point. But yeah, who 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 have you kind of like not looked up to, but looked at and and thought, yeah, I like the way they're going. I'm gonna listen to their content. Uh, so there's about three or four podcasts that I listen to. They're all very tech centric. So we've mentioned one already, Malicious Life uh, with PI Media. They're brilliant. And I think they're currently providing the production for a vendor of a pink coloured firewall. Um, <laughs> there's uh, security now on the Twit network, so that's a US-centric one, but it's a guy by the name of Steve Gibson who runs uh, Gibson Research. He's done some great stuff around cryptography, um, but he has a lot of good stuff to say. Um, and man, he is old, so he's done. He's been around <laughs> the block. He knows so much. So yeah, grab the back catalogue. They're on like seven hundred odd episodes. Just stick those on in the car or on your iPod or whatever, and just consume that kind of content. Uh, my current CTO has a lot of amazing, great stuff to say. So um, I don't sit down and have conversations with him, but when he speaks, he has a lot of um, insight. So um, yeah, your business leaders generally have a lot of good stuff to say and find those podcasts. Yeah. They're great for when you're out walking the good dog tips. or doing. Yeah. Re- really good tips. I mean, it's perfect for people that don't have like the access to a, a, a mentor you know, in, mm. in reach or, you know, physically. So they're, they're really, really good tips. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 tracking down a mentor and having that relationship with someone can take quite a bit of time. And going back to what you were saying earlier about someone who's maybe an introvert, they may struggle to open up to a face-to-face mentor. Um, I, I definitely advocate the, the podcast route, one for your technical learning and one just to kind of get an insight into what our industry does and how we do it. Very nice, good. nice. Cool. Okay, um, that's been good. I mean, it's really good. In, it's really a really good kind of conversation. It's been a different conversation. Um, and I didn't expect some of the answers you gave. <laughs> I mean, because you so because you are so technically minded, but the answers weren't technical, which I think for for some people listening might be a bit of a shock. They were definitely a shock for me. Um, but we're, we're going to get into some technical elements now, anyway. Um, we're gonna sp- we're gonna play I a little bit of a test. <laughs> there is now, thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. There's now actually going to be a test. Um, so, question one. <laughs> no, so um, we're gonna um, 
just play a little bit of buzzword bingo just to you know calm it down it's been quite a heavy a heavy kind of episode so um so what rich what basically i'm going to shout out a couple of things a couple of words uh a couple of buzzwords um which which you love you're loving your assist uh, and i just want you to give the, the first thing that comes to your head um don't 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 look don't go for a different answer i want the first thing that comes to your head um so come on number one mm-hmm. blockchain complicated oh nice ai expensive apt so advanced persistent threat hacker oh okay uh, data breach nightmare privacy legal okay cloud my best friend oh okay um password weak virus expensive oh interesting phishing every day don't click the link (laughs) (laughs) progression personal Uh, and passion Ooh. We did a whole conversation about that and I'm really yeah. struggling on that one. Learning. Learning, nice yeah, learning. Very good. Nice Hard exercise, that, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, as you Very said, good. the temptation not to overthink it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. Well, you know, that's it's been a it's been really good talking to you and trying to find out you know your your journey, the how you've got to where you are, the things you love and the things you might not like about the industry. Um and it's been different. I think it's been a different conversation and one I did not expect. So um uh I yeah, it's been great. It's been great to talk to you. Dude, great as well. time, Rich. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks very much for the invite. It's been great chatting. Thanks, chaps.